So today we're talking again with LVH, uh, the founder of Latacora, and we're continuing our discussion and focusing on security. Uh, so great to have you back. Thanks for having me. And um, I think we will just kick this off in um, how do you build in uh, the security into your application? Uh, yeah, I think this was a, a question that um, someone from the uh, the prospective audience asked, and it's it's a it's an interesting one. And, and one of the reasons I'm self conscious about answering it is because um, you're asking someone who built a company based on uh, the idea of having very strong opinions on on how to do this. Right. So uh, I apologize in advance if this sounds uh, a little bit like a, a like a sales pitch, but you know the, the flip side of that is like clearly I. I uh, I believe in what I'm saying because uh, it's it's my day job, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's definitely one of the things where we had uh, where we saw a lot of challenges with uh, the information security industry um, uh, beforehand. You know, the people who founded Latacora did security industry things before uh, Latacora, mm -hmm. right? And and um, uh, and they typically it's not like they were not focused on startups. It's just that de facto you look at the vast majority of uh, products and services. And they're not aimed at startups, and there's all sorts of reasons for that. But the biggest one is, frankly, you know, Fortune 50 companies don't blink at paying significantly more money for these services than tiny startups do. So you know, it's it's just it makes sense. It's where the money is. Um, right. But uh, I think that there are, there are a couple of challenges with uh, uh, with information security services and products that make it harder for startups to be successful with them than. Uh, larger companies, mm -hmm. uh, and you know the, the 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 most straightforward example is with um, with uh, penetration tests, right? So you pay for an application security penetration test. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody tells you like, okay, you got these five vulnerabilities in your application or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple of of issues with that. So one is the industry has pretty much agreed on what the format of one of those uh, tests is. It is a, you know, we've got some front matter. I'm not talking about like literally form in, in the sense of like, it's a PDF. It's got some front matter. Yes, that's true. But more importantly, the way that information is communicated in such a report is you've got a bunch of findings. You've got a bunch of vulnerabilities and they've got severities and, you know, maybe uh, impact and, exp and, and uh, exploitability associated with them. But like it all comes down to a severity ranging anywhere from sev info informational to sev crit critical. Mm -hmm. Um and the, the problem with that is that it's a useful medium for communicating how bad something is right now. It is not a useful medium for communicating what to do about it. And you might think like, okay, well, there's a SQL injection vulnerability. The correct answer is to remove the SQL injection vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, that's true. But what ends up happening in practice is that you get, you know, you get this like fine, you get, I don't know, uh, 20 findings or 30 findings, right? Like, especially if you're, um, uh, ironically, it's, it's often the, uh, the cheaper services that are more focused on uh, tool-driven analysis. So they're mostly going to be looking towards, you know, kind of automated tooling for finding these things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the findings are, I'm not going to say nonsense, but they're not applicable. Right, like they're not—they're not contextualized. They're not made mm -hmm. relevant to the application that they're testing, mm -hmm. um, and the 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 problem that you run into is that you you end up with this almost like perverse incentive where 
let's say you're a company, you're a B2B SaaS, right? And you're selling to other uh, other companies, typically bigger ones. Let's say you're doing enterprise sales, right? You're, mm-hmm. So you're you're a small startup, you're selling a, uh, a, a software as a service to, you know, very large enterprises. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the enterprises are going to tell you, great, you need to get annual penetration tests. Fine. So you get your annual penetration test. Um, and then they say, okay, well, you've got to fix all of the things that are higher than a sev low. Like all the things that are sev med, sev high, sev crit, you got to fix those. Mm-hmm. And sev lows and sev infos, I don't care about. Um, but then the issue is that like the severities are not particularly tuned to your application. So, you know, it's entirely possible that there's a sev info that's actually way worse uh, than some of the than some of the sev highs. That's one set of problems. The second set of problems is that um, the just because there's a vulnerability doesn't mean that the best way for a startup to go fix them is to just go directly address the vulnerability. There are examples of that, right? Like sometimes the answer really, like if you've got a SQL injection vulnerability, it's entirely likely that the answer really is, you know, we need to go talk to your developers about how to use uh, prepared statements uh, and, and, you know, how to use your SQL library in a way that you can't have this bug. Mm-hmm. That's probably true. But there's lots of cases where, um, you know, you might have like some internal dashboard and, you know, it's a, it's a bloodbath, right? Like it's just got like a gazillion vulnerabilities, like, you know, shell injection, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 XXE, like just name of vulnerability, it's got it, like the bad ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and two problems. One, if, because you're a startup, you're probably still building your product. You don't have a ton of spare engineering resources, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so saying like, oh, go fix all of the bugs, that might be a three, six, nine months project, right? Or and even if even if you prioritize nothing else, then okay, great. Like the entire company is basically dead in the water mm-hmm. because you're you're just doing nothing besides uh, fixing these vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could entirely be that the correct quote unquote way to fix this is, and when I say fix, I mostly mean remediate. Which is, you know, uh, sometimes that can be uh, uh, some corporate doublespeak uh, to mean, uh, for example, uh, accepting a risk mm-hmm. is technically a remediation. Right. So sometimes you see a report and it says like, oh, remediated. And what that means is like, yes, I agree that there's a vulnerability. Turns out I don't care. Uh, congratulations, remediate. I'm not saying that's all the time, but like that definitely happens. Um, so um, it could be that the correct way to, to, to fix this or the best way to fix this is great. Put, uh, uh, let's say, uh, an ALB, an uh, AWS application load balancer in front of it. Mm-hmm. Add, uh, you know, G Suite, um, uh, like OpenID Connect uh, authentication to it so that only your staff can access this dashboard and they have to do so using, you know, hopefully you've also configured uh, two factor auth on G Suite and maybe even, you know, specifically U2F and WebAuthn. So, really, really strong second factor. Um, and I'm not saying I don't care that the bug exists. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer that it didn't, but I am saying it's entirely plausible that you just made all of those bugs basically unexploitable, right? Because like, sure, there's still a shell, a shell injection vulnerability, and maybe it means that you've got staff who can exploit the shell injection vulnerability. But in a startup, most of the time, like all of the technical people that have access to that dashboard, like they probably have root on every instance anyway, and they've got like AWS administrator access. Like I'm not saying who who cares sounds a little... Uh, defeatist, but I'm saying this is, it's kind of silly for you to be focusing on this very specific problem uh, Mm. because it's not a privilege escalation, right? Like it's letting people do things that they're already allowed to do just like more complicatedly. Um, And so the, the, the benefit to the ALB though, is that it's the thing that you're actually going to deploy tomorrow that materially improves your security posture. 
right? Uh, and so there's a remediation angle to it, which is go fix the ELD. Um, there is the uh, uh, training and prevention aspect to it, where one of the things, for example, that we don't do, very consciously don't do, is uh, at, at Latacora, I mean, if we go find, let's say we find you know 20 application security vulnerabilities, we'll help you remediate them, but we're not just going to like clean up your mess. Uh, and that's firstly, it's because a lot of the time it's it's uh, you know the, you say clean up your mess, and sometimes fixing the the bug is actually kind of simple. But there's also all sorts of issues around it, like oh, we've got this like really weird pull rev- uh, pull request review mechanism like we actually use fabricator instead of github prs and like we've got this like weird internal style guide so you got to please the linter and it turns out that like what feels like a really tiny uh patch turns out to be a lot of work Mm. but more importantly it doesn't fix the underlying problem right like if the issue is that your developers don't know what a sql injection vulnerability is right then i can go fix this one sql injection vulnerability but like tomorrow they're just going to write another one and as your organization grows like you know you're at some point your your developer's ability to create new bugs is going to outpace your ability to fix them uh, and, and so it's not, it's not the best way to fix this problem. The best way to fix this problem is go talk to developers, make sure that they understand they don't have to be experts in it, but they do have to recognize the problem and, and have a set of tools to be able to fix it. Right. Uh, one of my favorite ones there is SSRF. I think I mentioned uh, SSRF last time as well, but mm-hmm. the thing that I like about it is it's one of those bugs where people don't believe you the first time that you, you tell them. It sounds like a Hollywood script. It doesn't sound like a real vulnerability. And then you kind of like walk them through it and like suddenly you see the light go on and they're like, oh, hang on. Uh, and then you kind of they're like walk them through uh, how to do it. And it's like, it's really satisfying because it, you know, it, you, you get to teach someone something, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, and also once you learn how SSRF works, you can never unsee it. It's like glaring in a PR. Like you, you just, it, it's, it's almost impossible to not, not to notice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really nice because it means that you're not going to have those problems again in the future. Um, and then finally, uh, you know, I mentioned, okay, let's say you've got, you know, five sev highs and three sev, sev meds. Sure, over time, I'd prefer that you go fix the bug. But the thing that you're going to deploy right now is the ALB, and it's going to mitigate a lot of things. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a great answer, right? Like, because it's, it's, it's the thing that with the least effort gets you almost all of the risk mitigation. Um, and I forgot what I was going to say next. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about... Oh, yeah, yeah, the submed sub... Okay, so the, um, uh, stepping back a, a, a bit... Uh, so the last thing I said was it's going to be the thing that gets you, you know, the most bang for your buck uh, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So picking up there, um, the oh, it can also happen the other way around, where, for example, there is something that technically I can't mark as higher than a sev info than a uh, informational finding, but it might also be the most important thing that I want you to go do. Mm-hmm. Um, for example. Uh, Let's say that you're using AWS credentials. Um, you're using like plain text AWS credentials um, in your home directory, which is you know what it's how AWS tells you to do things. Like if you type AWS configure, like they go somewhere and I, they're in your home directory. AWS slash credentials, um, and especially at startups, like you know you're not going to have done a lot of work to make sure that those are reduced in scope. So de facto, they're always going to have administrator access, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Technically, what I just described is not a vulnerability, right? Like I didn't see it go wrong in the two weeks or whatever that I was looking. But I don't think that that's that's cause for celebration, right? Like it's still tremendously risky um, because we know, for example, through supply chain attacks, 
um, which I think we, we talked about uh, last time as well, uh, through supply chain attacks that like that's what they're going to go for, right? So mm-hmm. even though technically, at best, the fact that you've got plain text admin uh, credentials in um, in your uh, in your home directory, I still think that you should be going to go install AWS Vault and like eventually we're going to get you to SSO uh, uh, AWS access. I keep saying AWS. Obviously, everything I'm saying is true for GCP and Azure as well, right? But mm-hmm. um, it could be that even though tech, you know, on paper, if if this was the uh, if this was the the big enterprise company telling you to go mitigate all of your uh, or go uh, go fix all of your sev meds, then this sev info would get no attention whatsoever because it's sev info, right? Like it almost it's it's almost in the name. It's giving you permission to ignore it, hmm. and and I think that's completely backwards because it's one of the biggest risks and it might be one of the biggest risks in that entire report. Right. Right. So there, look, that was a, a really long, uh, a long winded way of saying the problem with reports is that they are phrased as vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities are a good way of telling you how screwed a particular application is right now, how screwed mm-hmm. a particular system is right now, but it doesn't tell you anything about the, rem- I mean, not anything. It's not like completely disjoint from remediation, but it's not, it's not a path forward. It's not mm-hmm. a maturity model. It's not an action item. Right. Uh, and so what startups actually need is the action items. So, there are a couple of really, really good um, uh, pen testing shops who are also pretty good at the remediation, but or you know telling you how to do the remediation. But my fundamental objection to the, the way that these services are designed is that you have to be able to describe what you're going to do in advance in order to put it into a statement of work, right? Like that's just the way that like these contracts work. Like you you decide in advance what you're going to be able to do. And you don't necessarily know what the work is going to look like yet because you haven't done the work to figure out what the problems are yet. So it's sort of like this very cart before horse style problem. And, you know, the, I think that the, the, the industry as designed is, is in a bad position to do something about it because um, they, you know, they, they like the, just the way that their engagements are designed makes it really difficult to change anything about mm-hmm. it. Right. Like if, if, if everything that you've, uh, if, if the only tool that you've had that you have is a statement of work, then everything looks like an assessment because an assessment you know how to describe, mm. right? And so, you know, the, just a, the way that the entire industry thinks is is uh, not useful for remediating that. Now, um, nothing that I said sound everything I said sounds like not specific to startups, but it is because the thing is, if you're a larger company and you already have security people, then you have someone who can look at that report and do the translation step that I mentioned mm-hmm. to go from, okay, look, we got a pile of vulnerabilities in this dashboard, but the way that we're going to fix it is, you know, uh, I don't know, we're going to put a laugh in front. I don't think putting a laugh in front of it is a good idea, but I know that a lot of enterprises do it. So right. that's, my point is there's someone translating it into things that you can go do now. Right. right? Um, and what most startups is mi- are missing is they're missing that step. They're missing the, the translator. They're missing someone who owns the entire um, the entire security practice holistically. There is no one to go turn these findings into trainings for a specific developer or for a specific team because the person doing the assessment has no insight whatsoever into you know, what your org chart looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, because everything is structured like a statement of work uh, and therefore everything looks like an assessment, um, you can't get these security people in the product design phase which is where you really want them, right? Like when somebody builds a feature, uh, you might be able to tell them something like, hey, you're loading some user-generated content here. It would be really great if you could do that in an iframe on a separate domain, right? Because if you do it in an iframe on a separate domain, like it might be that you get an XSS vulnerability, but it won't matter. It won't be an interesting XSS vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
it, there's just like a lot missing. There's a lot of follow-up missing there. And so fundamentally, I think that the thing that's missing there is if you don't have someone who owns the entire, uh, all of security soup to nuts, then you're going you're gonna to get worse outcomes. Uh, and then the second order problem there is saying owning all of security soup to nuts is kind of silly because you're, you know, you need to know a bunch of stuff about infrastructure. You need to know a bunch of right. stuff about browsers. You need to know a bunch of stuff about web backends. You need to know a bunch of stuff about, you know, corporate security, IT security. The and, area is and, huge. Yeah. and that's where a lot of core comes in. Like that's, that's the, this is the only part of the sales pitch I promise is basically like, I believe all of the things that I just said. And then also, by the way, we do that by having a bunch of different teams. We don't have people who are good at everything. We've got a bunch of teams who are good at one thing. Uh, and then the day that you need the team that's good at one thing, you get that one team. Um, and because we're um, structured uh, in the long haul, sure, we do assessments, but we never bill a customer for an assessment. We bill a, a customer for being the security team. And as part of being the security team, we do assessments. Mm-hmm. But the real value, I mean, don't get me wrong, there can be tremendous value in, in getting an assessment done because it's the thing that closes deals, right? Like you need it in order to go sell to these giant, ginormous enterprises. So like, you know, th- don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying assessments are useless. I'm saying assessments are useless for good security outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got nothing, you know, if, if there's nothing, uh, like they're buying for security people, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're in, in securities, right? Like they're not in, they're not in English. You need someone to translate them into something useful. Um, so yeah. Right. So let me ask you this question then. Well, let's take one step back and mm-hmm. we say, I'm not talking about startups. I'm talking about, I don't know, solo developer working on some idea. And when they start this, is there any advice that you could give to those people? Whew, uh, that's a rough one. So um, I, I think that, you know, it depends. Uh, I mean, obviously it depends a lot on the type of application that they're developing. Like if mm-hmm. they're, you know, building like a, a little single page app that has maybe even no backend, right? Like if you're doing something like, I don't know, Draw.io, right? Firebase, um, what have you, right? Right, yeah. Then, um, you know, there's the upside there is that the, there you're you've reduced your threat service because there's you know there's just no no there's a lot of features that you're avoiding right there's a lot of dangerous features that you're avoiding mm-hmm. um but um uh you know i think that there's uh there's there's a couple of like really high piece uh, high level pieces of advice maybe that i can uh, mm-hmm. that i can give um but um so let's see where to start so one if you're deploying on aws for the love of god get aws vault uh, mm-hmm. uh like it's it's so easy to deploy and and uh, it will make such a huge difference. Um, it, do some really basic threat modeling exercises. Uh, I would, if you go look up threat modeling, people will tell you about like Stride and Dread, uh, which are acronyms mm-hmm. um, uh, for for you know doing like a really formal threat modeling uh, exercise. I would not. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad. Uh, I'm saying if you start there, then this is going to feel like a really academic exercise, likely. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've never done threat modeling before, so mostly just like sit down and actually write down what are the bad things that could happen, right? Like what are the uh, and don't talk, don't think about it in terms of vulnerabilities. Think about like bad user outcomes. Like what is the thing that could happen to a user that they'd be really upset about, um, mm-hmm. and what are the mechanisms that we we have to potentially change that? Um, uh, let's see. For for solo, I mean, a lot of the the advice that I have might fe- seem a little bit. Uh, a little bit past solo developer, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll share it anyway. Um, if uh, as soon as possible, put um, get first of all get a U2F or a WebAuthn key because um, mm-hmm. uh, it it's it's not that hard to use uh, and it adds. In fact, a lot of people that we talk to end up preferring it from a, a usability perspective. Um, even if you're not making your users use it, at least it makes you safer. 
um, and then use that thing wherever possible. Right. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, uh, if you're hosting your domains at Google domains, for example, that's really good because now you can't access your, um, your, you can't change anything about your domains without having, um, that U2F key. So it basically makes you invulnerable to phishing, uh, pretty much. Um, so, uh, I think that's a, a really effective strategy as well. Use, and then once you've got the U2F key, use ILBs or IAPs, um, the, uh, so the GC, that's the AWS, uh, application load balancer and the Google Cloud Platform uh, identity aware proxy. Um, use those, tie them into SSO as soon as possible, especially for your internal dashboards. Um, and uh, you know, I think that's that's some of the basics. Um, we're also super happy to be helpful to, uh, like, you know, send us an email, uh, hello at latacora.com, mm -hmm. uh, or uh, you know, when it, it might just be a short email, but like right. something like, hey, should I be doing X? And like, and we can tell you, like, I think that X is a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're happy to do that. It's not. Um, not contingent on you doing business with us. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's really high level advice, but I think that a lot of the specifics change so much based on uh, right. this, the uh, application that it's it's hard to be you know get into the weeds. Right. Yeah, I think there is one part where you, of course, need to take care of how you program all of the endpoints and everything like this. Uh, and then there are some service providers that can also help you to um, get rid of some vulnerabilities, like there's this of zero and Okta and AWS Cognito. Um, so if I go about those, is there any advice here? Yeah, uh, I I don't have a lot of nice things to say about Auth zero, so instead I just won't say anything and recommend that people use something else. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean they've. They've just had uh, a bunch of vulnerabilities where it turns out in the end, it's one thing, like, I like that they disclose their vulnerabilities, right? Like some people um, uh, rant about Auth0 because, um, you know, look at all the vulnerabilities that they've had. Uh, I, I, there's some truth to it, but like, I also don't want to punish companies for being honest about their vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. The thing that I'm more upset about is the sort of scope of the vulnerabilities, where the vulnerabilities are happening, what the impact is, and then what the remediation timeframe is. I think that, you know, for a couple of examples there where Alt Zero really, really dropped the ball. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, there was a, um, uh, a full disclosure, uh, I, I'm an investor in them. Uh, so you should, you know, obviously take that with a grain of salt. On the other hand, you know, uh, it's my money. So clearly I, I believe in what they're doing. There's a company called Stitch, uh, S-T-Y-T-C-H. Um, okay. They're super early on, but I'm really excited about what they're going to look like in in um, in you know maybe a, a little bit less than a year probably, but like, you know let's call it a year from now. I'm really excited about where they're going. Um, so they're um, they're trying to do uh, they're shining with Slack magic links. Uh, basically, their mission is to kill the password. And so as a as a security person, uh, as soon as you tell me like my my goal is to kill the password, I'm like I'm all ears, right? Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, AWS Cognito is 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 really good. Uh, it, my my biggest concern with AWS Cognito is like it's it's one of those things where I look at the 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 documentation and I look at like some of the the product design and I just go like this feels like a uh, I'm reminded of Conway's law uh, where you know the, the the product ends up reflecting the organization that built it. Um, and I think that that's particularly visible. Like once you get really in the weeds with a lot of AWS services, I think it's very, uh, very visible because um, AWS has a lot of like very fairly separate teams, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think very often that's, that's uh, visible in the way that AWS design things. It also gives them tremendous advantages, right? Like that's not a criticism. Um, it also means that they get to deploy more services than uh, you know, any, other cloud, uh, uh, any other cloud provider, right? Like look at even the second closest one, look at Azure and GCP, look at how many things they have available, look at Amazon, like it's that close, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like tw- two, two times as much, three times as much um, services. I'm not saying they're all great, but they did ship. Um, my, my objection to AWS Cognito is mostly just that the, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like the documentation is just impenetrable. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, you know, what's a user pool? What's an identity pool? Why are those two separate things? Uh, once you work through the documentation a little bit, um, the, um, you know, it, it, uh, there are a lot of advantages. In particular, um, there's a lot of bugs that we found in a lot of SAML integrations where Cognito just by design doesn't have them. One of my favorite mm-hmm. ones is, I think we found this like five different customers now. Um, so they have a SAML integration. Um, so SAML stands for Security Assertion Markup Language, but everyone just says SAML. It's an SSO integration, right? So the mm-hmm. goal is users can sign into your application using the account that they already have, like their Google Workspace account or their Okta account from work. They can use that to sign into your application instead of having a username password separate to FA. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the bugs that we've found regularly is um, a... Um, with SAML, you'll configure a an IDP, an identity provider. Uh, and you do that typically with like a, a file called metadata XML. Like it's just a file you download it from your IDP, you upload it into whatever program you want to be able to sign into, and everything's fine. Now, um, the mistake that a lot of people make for the initial integration is as soon as the IDP is trusted, then they will trust any assertion from that IDP. And so the, the issue that you end up having is that, you know, I, I sign up, I create a, uh, an account and add a credit card, yada, 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 for, um, you know, f- fake evil corp. And I add my, um, um, my uh, uh, metadata XML for a, uh, you know, an IDP that I control. And then I get the IDP to mint a SAML assertion for lvhalotacore.com. Mm-hmm. And now I'm signed in as lvhalotacore.com, even though I have no control over that, um, that account whatsoever. Um, so that's a, a bug that we've seen a bunch of time. Cognito really inter- has a really interesting way of avoiding it, which is in Cognito, a user identity is not just like an email address. It's an identity plus the identity provider that made the claim. Mm-hmm. So you might be able to sign in for an identity that's lvhalotacore.com. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of applications have like additional logic to make sure that like, oh, it has to be in this domain or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that will also very often have its own uh, bypasses because parsing email addresses is a complete mess. Um, but you know, let's say that you 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 don't have that code. Even then, I might be able to sign in as lvhalotacore.com, but it'll be a completely different user. Like it'll have no relation to the actual lvhalotacore.com that's signed uh, by the the Latacore IDP. So that's, a, that's an example of like the sort of bug that um, Cognito uh, uh, helps you prevent. So I really like Cognito as a, uh, almost like a, 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 you know, a SAML adapter or an OpenID Connect adapter where, mm-hmm. you know, anything comes in and then on your application side, you only have, ever have to care about Cognito. And then the integrations with, you know, the, if you're already using Cognito, then you're probably using, you know, every other AWS service or you're using something like API Gateway, you're using, you know, ALB, right. uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the integrations with that are really nice. So TLDR, I think Cognito is a great product. 
I think that the documentation is super confusing at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one day I will write a document that's like, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the gorilla guide to Cognito or like Cognito, the good parts or something like that. Which is like, here's what I wish that people remembered about Cognito. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I like about Cognito is that you, um, it's got a lot of like Lambda integration points, mm-hmm. um, meaning it's, it's pretty easy. Oh, I mean, it's at least possible and not every IDP has that. Um, the, uh, it's it's pretty easy to you know customize it to make it do whatever you want. <clears throat> so, I, yeah. and then finally, Okta you mentioned. Um, uh, I, I like Okta a lot. Okta's great. Um, uh, one thing that's interesting is people use Okta for two different things, right? Like they use it for their internal IDP, which is great, and they use it for their external IDP. Um, the only reason why I uh, uh, Sometimes prefer to use Cognito instead of uh, uh, instead of Okta for uh, customer login is that Okta has that same customization feature, um, but like it mostly relies on webhooks and it's just easier to use a Lambda uh, and it's like easier to configure directly in AWS. But like it's such a small a small reason. Uh, the people who end up liking Okta they end up liking Okta for way more important reasons, which is like it's got better. Um, like group managements, especially for internal use. Like it's way easier to manage like an internal Okta. And then once you've got an internal Okta, you might as well have an external Okta. So like, it's not really a criticism. It's just like I, some, for my own applications, I tend to prefer Cognito, but that's not a security mm-hmm. uh, assertion, right? Like Okta is great. You should use Okta. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any others that I didn't mention or we didn't think about that you, I don't know, like or recommend? Uh, I mean, I think it, I think you got the big ones. I mean, there's Firebase, uh, and like Firebase is yeah, Firebase is completely fine. Uh, there's nothing you know, there's nothing like particularly mm-hmm. wrong with them. Um, mm-hmm. I think that right. uh, it, it's one of the cases where, look, generally I love startups. Like obviously, I you know I built a company specifically to go work with them. Right. Um, but like this is one of the places where uh, I think it's really hard for um, startups to make uh, uh, an entry into the market because it's you know, it's, it's the thing that you don't want to mess around with, right? Like if your auth provider is broken, then like your entire application is gone. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's something where, uh, where, you know, you need to be a little bit careful, which is one of the reasons why I'm excited about Stitch is just like the thing that they're doing is so damn ambitious uh, uh, that, uh, and you know, I think they're doing a good job at it, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough nut to crack. No, I, I, I think that in between for most, and most of my advice is for B2B SaaS, to be clear, right? Because mm-hmm. like, that's where the vast majority of our customers are. Mm-hmm. Um, if the problem that you have is, how do I let customers sign into my application? Uh, you could do a lot worse than Okta or Cognito. Um, and uh, especially if, if you're selling to, you know, especially larger enterprises, most of them are going to want to see SSO, right? And that's the real reason that you go with something like an Okta or, or Cognito. If it's for like your own user sign-in, I know that's something that Octane Incognito will do too, right? Like it was just username, password, but it's still, it's you, quote unquote, your account. Like you're owning the user account. It's not SSO, right? Mm-hmm. For that, like, I mean, it's fine, but I don't really see the value as much. Like I don't think username, password, MFA is, is that hard to do. Uh, like I'm not mad if people do it. I just don't really get it. For SSO, there, it is really important. And in particular, I would tell people not to build their own OpenID Connect integrations, their own SAML integrations um, for a whole host of reasons. But certainly one of the big ones is for, mm-hmm. for SAML. I mean, you've got really three implementations, right? Like you've got, um, uh, I think that there is a, a Go implementation, but the two big ones are the one that's built into Java uh, and libxmlsec1. 
And libxml's like one terrifies me. Like it's like this manually maintained fork of like libxerxes from the mid '90s or something. Like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's a pretty scary library. Um, and so being able to outsource that to Amazon, who's got a way bigger budget than uh, than you for for you know maintaining that software, hardening that software, uh, you know patching it when it goes wrong, et cetera, et cetera. That's a, a place where I see a ton of value. So like as soon as you're doing any kind of SSO integration, please don't do it yourself. Mm. Um, cool. Um, so all of those that we mentioned, of zero, Okta, I believe, AWS Cognito, and Stitch, uh, are they using JWT or what's the whole story with um, you know the tokens and how do you exchange the information between server and the client? Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider supporting it by rating on the platform you're listening to, sharing with others, and supporting it directly by buying some video courses and learning closure script and closure you can check out the courses at jacekshe.com that is j a c k s c h a e.com thanks <laughs>